0: Welcome, welcome to this here episode of the Pixelated Sausage Show. Hi, 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 hi. I I am, of course, your host, Mark Gushnaz. And this is take three on recording this here episode. I've recorded it once, then recorded it twice, and now I'm here to do it thrice, baby. Hopefully it'll be better this time. I'm fairly optimistic so that's good i'm a relatively pessimistic person so if i'm ever optimistic that's a good start right what i will be doing though however is skipping the majority of what i've been watching because i can't i can't regain that magic the magic is lost plus I think everyone's probably excited about the fact that I am not going to be talking about any more Deep Space Nine on this particular episode, other than to say, I'm still enjoying it. I just finished season three. Still a good time. Yeah, still a good time. The most I'll say is that Captain Sisko, now Captain Sisko, he just got his captainitis. He is in his middle evolution if we're talking about Pokemon, to all you gamers, you're like, Star Trek, I don't get it. Space stars oh, 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 oh. Pokemon. Oh, I get that. I get that. He is in his middle evolution. He has grown the goatee. So I think it'll be finely tuned a bit more. His initial one was very thick. But now it's a bit thinner. But I do believe it gets even thinner and might have a bit of a chin thing going on. Not a chin thing, but a, a jawline thing going on. I don't remember... I I can't remember because I've never seen the show until now. So I I don't know. I'm just going off of the one picture that I see every time I open up the Paramount Plus app and see his bald head and facial hair. But he's got the facial hair, but still hair on the top of his head. So he's halfway to a fully evolved Captain Sisko. That's it in terms of D. Space Nine. Then I think... I talked about it briefly last episode, but I have continued watching Teenage Mutant Rise of the Turtles. That's the name of it. Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And it is awful. It is so, 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 so bad. I am shocked by how bad it is. There is an argument, though. That could be made that it is the most accurate to the stupidity that is the title Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, in that the turtles in this case are acting more like teenagers than than they do in any of the other versions of them. They don't give a shit about anything, everything they do is stupid. They're all idiots. Splinter's an idiot, everyone on the show is an idiot, April's a fucking idiot, they're all stupid. And, uh, as much as I like the art and animation overall, Splinter looks like crap. He looks like some weird Ren and Stimpy abomination. I hate it. And then the show just it's not funny. Ben is Leonardo. That's horrible. They had an entire, not an entire episode because each episode is broken up in two different stories, which should tell you a lot about the show and what to expect from it and the stories you're getting. The fact that you're getting 11 minute stories as opposed to full episode stories but in one of the episodes it's just the turtles trying to return a movie to a Redbox kiosk essentially, they don't call it Redbox because you know they'd have to pay Redbox, probably they're just trying to remove or return a movie and it's also Splinter will give them a hug, I think she's like, okay what is the point of it? It's just a pointless fucking show. I'm sure kids would like it because it has a lot of kid feeling dialogue. I can't speak with any authority as to whether or not they are talking in a way and a manner that is accurate to the way the youngins speak. But the shit that comes out of their mouth is stupid and what kids say is is often stupid so one to one you you get it you get it but uh that's pretty much it in terms of what i've been watching i i, I i've watched some other stuff but again not gonna go into it other than to say barbarian I, I believe it was on hbo which is where i watched it but that is a movie highly worth watching if you like horror movies Fun dumb horror movies don't read up anything on it just uh watch it it's a a good time it's a good time not particularly scary but fun so that's it now let's just get on to what i've been playing get all these games out of the way and call it a day sound good i don't care (laughs) yeah i mean i i hope The rest of this podcast sounds good. I mean, I hope the whole entirety of it sounds good in terms of audio quality. I hope I'm sounding clear and background noise free relatively, you know, something like that. But let us get on to what I've been playing. Starting with Star Sand. I'm sorry, Star Sand. I didn't mean to laugh at you. I'm not laughing at you. I'm just, I'm fucking, I'm... I just want this episode to be all right. But Star Sand is a first-person survival game in the vein of stuff like Ark and Conan Exiles, where you are in this marathon. You're not doing this in the beginning, but I believe the little bit of flavor text you get at the beginning is telling you that you were in this marathon in the desert. A storm came about, and you seek shelter. That is the opening of the game. You're in this storm and you seek shelter in this building, this abandoned building in the middle of nowhere. Then you collapse, pass out and wake up in this barren desert and you have to survive. You go around trying to discover what's going on, where you are, get resources to better help yourself with the heat and hunger, thirst, etc. And it's just another one of those games part of the problem though is that there are no there are no real options there are a few ways in which you can adjust the difficulty when you start a, a game by making aliens non-existent because there are aliens in it ooh very spooky there are always aliens in freaking deserts Bethel my baby but uh you can make it so that hunger and all that kind of jazz doesn't drain as fast That is not something you have to be as concerned about the the real problem with the game is that it's another one of those games and it's doing nothing new or exciting or interesting and the world itself can't make up for everything else that's lacking because it is just a desert and it is so barren it it might expand there might be cool things you find eventually, but in my little time with the game, it's been pretty boring. There's horrible pop-in, so you'll be traversing this pretty empty space, and a bush will just show up in front of you, and then another one over there. Just a little bush, just a little tiny bush, maybe about a foot tall, foot wide, and it's it's distracting, and also confusing in that there's, there's no geometry in this world. There's, there's so little going on in this world. Why why is there popping? Why are you having this distraction here? Could you not done that? I mean, I'm playing on the Series X which should be powerful enough to not have the fucking whatever, man. Make a, a desert with a few bushes in it. But it's just... It's really boring. And I hate... One of the worst things about it is that navigating the UI, crafting stuff, or doing anything within it, when you are moving in it, you're you're still controlling your outside character. So when you are moving left or right with the analog stick, you'll be static. Your your character will be static for a little bit, but then they'll like jump in one of those directions. If you press the D-pad, that is not going to move you in the UI. It's just going to do whatever those buttons do when you're playing the game and so on and so forth. So it makes the experience of navigating the UI, uh, of navigating the inventory and and all the menus really clunky and really annoying. (laughs) It's just, it's, it's just not a good one of those. And it's single player too, so you don't even get the potential enjoyment, at least of crazy things happening from interacting with other humans. There there may be NPCs eventually, but all I've run into so far, few wildlife creatures. I don't know if there were hyenas at one point, because there were, there were, there were some animal that looked like a predator and I avoided them, but I've seen some frogs and scorpions who are very aggressive and so tiny it's hard to hit them because the hitbox detection just seems to be fucking so gosh darn specific. But yeah, I, I, I can't see any reason in what I played why you would ever choose to play Star Sand over any other game like this. It just does not have anything unique going for it. There's no story that's particularly interesting. I came across a dilapidated building, got some scrolls that gave me new recipes and a relic or an artifact, I think it was, but it didn't do anything. So I'm just moving from mile landmark to mile landmark drinking water in my water bottle, which is a little weird. Because there, there's just... I, I think because it's in the desert, it makes me feel like this should be taking place in the past or in some point where I wouldn't just be a normal dude in marathon running clothes with a fucking Gatorade-looking-ass water bottle. But you are, and the game is just bleh. Pretty unexciting. Then we have The Chant, which is a third-person survival horror action game I guess you could say there's action cuz you are fighting enemies but it is from a story standpoint essentially midsummer with lovecraftian elements cosmic horror and that's cool the the story the setup the general vibe and atmosphere all of that is very very good and i like a lot of that the performances are a bit all over the place? No, I wouldn't even say that. I'd say the performances overall are pretty good, but one of the most important performances is horrible, and that is of Tyler, I believe his name is, who is the cult leader, the spiritual leader of this small group, this, what do you call him? retreat, this small retreat. His performance is lacking in so much emotion and anything, especially charisma, which is what you would need out of someone who is portraying a cult leader, they need to be charismatic. You need to feel like okay, you're crazy, but I can understand how some people would be drawn to your crazy because you just got this aura about you. You have this presence. You have this charisma. But he has nothing of that. I was, <laughs> did you hear that? That was me, I'm gonna say nothing, and then I changed it to none. I was like, nothing of that. It doesn't have enough of that. That's for damn sure. But the rest of the performances are pretty solid. Your character... I can't remember what your name is, but I believe your friend is Kim. And you, you go to this retreat uh, to rekindle this relationship with your friend who you share a trauma with. And things quickly get out of hand. The... The game itself is where things start to fall apart in the actual gameplay and all that. Because the story is interesting. And for the most part, well acted. The The world is well established. Or this little space, it, it takes place on an island. And... It's got a lot going for it in that run, but then as soon as you start playing it, it just, you have, you have three meters, three aspects of yourself to, to worry about your heart, your spirit, and your mind. And one of the things that happens in the game very frequently that you have to counter, and it's so stupid, it's incredibly annoying, is mind attacks. And these just happen whenever you're in situations where you might be around various lovecrafting-esque creatures. Big old freaking look like tentacle monster things. And you'll just get like a bunch of squiggly white lines around your head. And that's a, a mind attack. And you have to immediately press A to counter it. You have maybe a second or so to do this. So just throws in all these in a way quick time events, but they're always it's always the same button, so that's at least nice and they're not multiple button presses it's just, you always have to be on guard and prepared and ready to press the A button in case a mine attack happens this is stupid it's it's not a good mechanic it doesn't keep the game exciting or the tension up it just makes it annoying. And then actual combat, you have a few things at your disposal. You have your basic weapon, at least early on, because I'm only a few hours in. It is like you collect some brush, not, not like a hairbrush, but, you know, grassy brush. And you light it on fire. You, you craft it yourself. You can hold up three at a time. And then you just attack your enemies with that. You basically punch them all holding some fiery brush. And the enemies include the the Lovecraftian creatures, but also you don't like flies. So maybe flies will be surrounding a resource you need or whatever. So you attack the flies with three punches, maybe a few heavy punches as opposed to all the light punches. And then it's all good to go. But as you progress, you'll unlock spirit abilities, Which allow you to do things like slow down enemies and whatnot. You have salt that can stun enemies. But it's just not that fun to play. And the enemies you're fighting aren't... They don't make for exciting enemies or exciting encounters. There are cultists or... I'm not sure if they're they're humans because they, they weren't part of the actual retreat that you run into. They're it's just it's not fun. You got a little dodge mechanic, and then you swipe at them with your stupid brush. It's just it, it it seems like the combat is there because developers feel like they needed to have some type of combat there. And maybe over time when you get more spirit abilities, etc. It'll feel better because even with what little I have right now, there's not a lot of depth there. So I'm just doing the same thing and it it just sucks so much. And it it just gets in the way of me exploring the world, progressing with the story, discovering new clues. And I I don't like it being there. Uh, So much of the gameplay itself ends up being annoying you know, like the the mind attacks and the comment, It's just getting in the way of what I actually want to be doing, which is discovering these characters and the background and the story. Visually, too, I, I just want to say that uh, it looks really, really good. The character models, solid, but their hair looks like shit. But the world is well done. And especially when things get into that more cosmic side of things and the love crafting side of things and you get the purples and all that jazz it looks pretty good and then, like I said at the very beginning does a really good job with tone and atmosphere and all that but it's it's just unfortunate that the gameplay itself is as weak as it is at least early on whether or not that changes over time not sure there aren't If there were any puzzles early on, they were so basic and simple and easy that I already forgot they were even technically puzzles. So it's, it's really just the bit of action and not, not even, no running away. You can, you can fight anything that comes at you and you collect the various resources, uh, spices and stuff that can bring back your health or your, your, your mind meters spirit meters etc and the spirit can also be used to bring back your mind by meditation but it's okay I think if the story sounds interesting to you if you're a fan of Midsummer, if you're a fan of cosmic horror and Lovecraft etc I think the the drawback, the drawbacks of the gameplay are worth dealing with to see how the story plays out I may be wrong but I, I think you know maybe wait for a sale but for me I look at the game and I will probably play more of it but I'm more excited about what the studio does next than continuing the chant I look at the chant as a really, really strong first draft, a, a strong initial showing that will hopefully lead, you know, if it does well enough, etc., to a really, really great follow-up game. Whether or not it's exactly like this, or if it's completely different, I think this game, despite its shortcomings, shows a lot of potential, so... I'm, I'm excited about what they do next. Then Saturnalia is a very similar game. It is a survival horror game, but it's got roguelike elements. It's set in the small Italian town of Saturnalia. And there's also some cultish things going on, folklore creatures or a creature singular and in the game you inhabit four different characters and you could switch between them by calling them on the phone uh, all landlines but uh, you call if you get to a phone you can call wherever the, the characters are located and switch between them they all have their, their benefits and weaknesses and have storylines that can only be completed with them or progressed with them and i really really like the game it has great accessibility options as well because the, the the problem i have with the game is that i don't like horror games where you can't fight back you can't defend yourself and you're only recourse is running and hiding or just running away. I don't like that. I don't think that's fun. I understand why it's done and why it's so common in games of this nature. It's because it works. It works on me. I I get very scared playing games like this. And my tension is at an extremely high level the entire time. Whenever I hear in this game you have like a a maraca sounding thing uh, a little like shaker that indicates the monster is close by. Whenever that happens I'm like fuck. No. No I'm just going to stop and see where it's coming from and hopefully it it just avoids me. That works. But it's, it's also a lazy way of doing it. You know lazy things don't inherently mean bad. They don't mean that they're not going to work, etc. It just means it's not super creative and I wish the game was a bit different or gave me some way I't. It's just frustrating. You can, again with the accessibility options, make it so that enemy encounters are a lot easier. You can't completely get rid of them. there's there's no 100% safe mode in the game, but you can make them easier. you can give yourself infinite stamina. you can give yourself infinite matches which will go a long way in making the game a a less tense and more accessible game to people like me who don't really jive with the whole running and hiding mechanic. But ignoring that, I really, really like the game. It should also be said that you get the warning when you boot up the game but there are a lot of heavy themes in the game from abuse, domestic abuse, abortion, suicide, self-harm, other things that you would expect uh, with a game that covers those topics. So if those are things that you would not be able to deal with, Or you think you might not be able to deal with then it's a hard pass obviously but if you can or if that stuff doesn't affect you as it would someone else i really really like it the the roguelike elements are that if all the characters die and this is on the standard difficulty because there is the adventure mode like there are preset difficulties that have the accessibility options tuned in specific ways the default setting when all your characters die it's not a complete game over but the the layout of the city of the the village will change you'll lose all your items except for key items you'll keep your key items and any shortcut you've opened will remain open but where it's located now will be a little bit different and i think that's a really cool mechanic i like that it it, it it makes me wish I was more accepting of the the hide, because I should just like call it a hide and seek mechanic, whatever. But it's just something that I can't. It just it part of the problem too. I fucking started playing this game at like two three in the morning, It's black, no no sound anywhere. the The main menu has this dude whispering some kind of chant or whatever (laughs) it's very uncomfortable right off the get go I was like (laughs) this is a bad idea this is a horrible idea and then I started playing and I was growing more and more invested in this world and the various stories of these characters the game looks incredible as well it has this beautiful beautiful sketchy aesthetic that (laughs) I I feel like there was a point where everyone would get this reference, but I don't know anymore. It is essentially, visually speaking, take on me the video game. Think of that music video and the comic book aspects of that video, that's what the game looks like. But with color, it's not black and white. And it looks incredible. There are some visual hiccups. One, I don't like the fact that whenever you sprint, color gets infused into the world. To such an extreme level that it becomes incredibly not exhausting. What is the word I am looking for? Overwhelming is kind of there. Oppressive. It it, it becomes incredibly impressive. Uh, Not impressive. Oppressive. And that may be the intention. They may want it to feel that way for you because sprinting is not something you should be doing. You make a lot of noise. It'll draw out the creature eventually if you're sprinting for too long. But the, the, the bigger problem from a visual standpoint is that when you are navigating within tight spaces, the camera can get a little wonky and real shaky. And it is a little bit, I think if you had motion sickness concerns, that can make you feel a little bit queasy. It's unpleasant to look at for me at least. Uh, but it doesn't make me want to throw up or anything. It just is very unpleasant whenever I'm navigating buildings and I'm going through tight hallways and the camera's just kind of fucking going all over the place. But the mystery and all that is very very like it's just it's a well-crafted game that just happens to have a gameplay mechanic I don't like. You are constantly gaining clues and seeing how various characters relate with one another and how clues relate with one another. And you get it all in this detective type of setup with a bunch of pictures and notes related to various either relationships or items or locations, etc. Man, i say an etc. so many fucking times. But you have them all and they're all connected with lines very much alike. Pictures that are connected uh, via strings on a, a wall in various detective movies and shows. And yeah, I, I I like it a lot. It just has this one mechanic I don't like. So there's that. And then again, it has those adult themes that may or may not be a problem for you. That is Saturnalia. I uh, like it quite a bit, uh, even despite all that. And I think it's, it's well worth checking out. Then, the Entropy Center is a first person puzzle game all about time. You wake up in a room, you don't know what's going on. You hear a robotic voice, an AI voice, and you're like, well, what's happening? like oh the test subject you do your puzzles and you go about exploring this facility eventually getting a gun that allows you to rewind time specifically to various objects in the environment up to I think 20 it may increase over time but initially I believe it's 21.1 seconds and on your gun you have an AI companion who's very cheeky and funny, but helpful. She's not like GLaDOS, who has malicious intent. She doesn't seem to have malicious intent, at least. And if you're wondering why I brought up GLaDOS, it's because this game is so fucking... This game is so fucking portal-like. It looks great. You start off in this kind of, like, dreamscape. You see the Earth and then, like, a bunch of floating deaths, and it looks really, really good. And then you get into the world, and it looks great. It runs well it's so it's so portal like outside of the fact that you're you're using a rewind gun instead of a portal gun and that's not a bad thing because portal is a great game but it's so derivative and uninspired in many of the ways everything works is handled from the ai companion from the look of the environment overall and the general setup the the be starting out as a one, you're also I'm pretty sure you're a, a lady too so it's just it's so Portal-like but if you like Portal, you're probably going to really like this game and the way it works uh, with the whole rewind thing is that in some instances where you might be on a platform that's moving on its own the world could be crumbling around you the ceiling might be falling apart and about to fall on top of you shoot it with the gun it will rewind it back to its not broken state But the most part, you're in these various rooms and you have to get to the the exit. How do you do this? There are doors in your way that can only be opened by standing on switches. You take, for instance, a box and you will place it in the reverse order of how you would have to go about doing it uh, on one switch and then the other switch. Then you go in position and rewind time so that the box is moving between these platforms in the correct order to open them so that you can get through and continue. It'll complicate things and expand upon it by adding more switches, more boxes, things like jump platforms. And the, the, the puzzles are, are well done. They're, they're easy to start off with. And the, the challenge increases at a nice pace from what I play. It doesn't seem like it's going to be a long game, But if you don't mind the fact that it is so fucking Portal-like, or or maybe that is something that makes you really interested in it, I think you'll have a really good time with it. It's a very, very, very well-made game, and the writing is pretty damn good. I I thought it was chuckle-inducing. It doesn't like laugh out loud or anything, but it it, it was well-written. And I enjoyed the AI companion and I enjoyed the voice performance of them. The, the actual story, what's happening in this facility, why it's abandoned and what's going on, didn't really care about that. You, know, you get to check computers every now and again and get a bit of labor there, but none of that was particularly engaging. But it's a, it's a good style, little first person puzzler. Then Tanuki Sunset is uh, an endless runner, where you are longboarding down a road, as you do on a longboard, but you're a raccoon, and you could decorate them. You can you can clothe them. You can, what's this? What do you what do you call clothe? Whatever. You can put glasses on them. You can put hats on them. You can put shirts on them. You can change the longboard and put some colorful wheels on it, and you just. Going around down these roads, collecting the resources that you need in order to purchase new outfits and boards, etc. That are these pyramid-looking things, and I'm gonna just call them I think they're maybe nachos, but if they're 3D, I'm gonna call them 3D Doritos. So you're getting all these 3D Doritos, and that's it. The thing about the thing about uh, Taduki Sunset is that? It's it's fine. I I don't know if it was originally an Apple Arcade game. It sure as fuck feels like one because it just feels like a mobile game. It's pretty boring after five minutes of playing it. it. It's not the most engaging gameplay. It's not super challenging. The the challenge comes in how aggressive you go after certain 3D Doritos because for instance, you eventually, after the first few areas, you'll come across clusters, which you need to revert when you hit them so that you'll do a little rotation and collect all of them in one go. And that'll give you a bonus, but it also initiates a little animation where your raccoon goes up in the air and is like, yeah, look at at what I did. And you can't cancel out of this animation. So depending on the location of these clusters, you might do this and then ride off a cliff, right? You know, you're supposed to make a sharp turn there. And he didn't because you, you went after the cluster and then the animation initiated and it was too late to correct for uh, the situation you're in mm-hmm. positioning. So that's where the challenge comes in. If, if you're not going after any of those resources, you shouldn't have a problem. And It's just like, it looks great. The music is great. The music is super important because there are are multiple times where the music just cut out. It just stopped playing. And the only way to get it to start playing again was to skip to the next song. Whenever that happened, and all I heard was the game audio, the, the sound effects essentially, it was not enjoyable at all showing me how much heavy lifting the music is doing the music is very good and makes it so that the relative simplicity of the gameplay which is just going downhill collecting these things avoiding obstacles drifting around tight corners which is very easy you just have to make sure you never overdrift so you should stop probably a second before you think you should with every drift you'll do tricks eventually when ramps show up and sometimes you'll have not random encounters but the, the 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 layout is always randomly generated so if you fall off and have to restart at the last checkpoint it's gonna be a new road layout but there are things that are going to happen like you, you may run into a bird who wants to race you and if you win you'll get a little bonus thing and it's it's fine it's just it's not exciting and gets old real fast. And speaking of getting old real fast, the Pinball Wizard... I was excited about this. Give me a pinball game with RPG elements. But then I quickly realized, oh, this is so fucking luck-based that I hate playing this game. You eventually, pretty early on, as you gain experience and earn skills, get a few abilities that allow you to have some control over how the ball which is your character interacts with the the levels because the whole setup of the game is that you have this tower that is protecting the land or whatever but over time it started to degrade and started leaning and as this happened the orb that was powering the tower fell off and rolled to the bottom you need to bring it back up to the top and to do this you, this young wizard, everyone else who's tried has failed, and they, they've died, or whatever. I don't know if they've died, but whatever. They, they failed, and that's all that matters. It is you are the ball. You, little wizard, are the ball, and the, the various single-screen levels, and I, I don't know if they expand over time because there are daily dungeons and stuff that have multiple-sided levels, but at least... 12 levels into the main mode or whatever. They've all been single screen levels. And, or floors, essentially, because you're climbing the tower. The way it works is that there'll be enemies in the area and objects that will, when you hit them, increase your energy or replenish your energy, replenish your health, give you coins. And what you have to do is kill all the enemies or or not even all the enemies, one of the enemies will be holding a key to the next floor. You kill them, you collect the key, and then once that happens, the door will open. And if you're able to hit your wizard into the door before the time runs out, you will get back your health for the next level. If not, uh, you'll just automatically be sent to the next level without any of those bonuses. It's fine and pleasant enough. It looks really nice. It's, it's got a great cute art style. But the fact that it is so luck-based, you like I said, you get skills pretty quickly that take energy to use. And you, you regain energy somewhat fast, but there will be plenty of instances where you use an ability and then you have to wait five seconds or so to use it again. But the abilities are like dashing, which you can use to dash into an enemy and do extra damage, you can improve the skills over time with XP you earn as you play. Or you you can use the dash to get to a location easier or you can send an additional orb into the environment that will do damage from a distance and keep you from taking damage because enemies will, depending on their state, either take damage and do damage or just take damage. They they might be in aggressive state or not. But once you are in the space and bouncing around, if you don't have access to your abilities, if if you have used it all up and you don't have energy at that time, you are just your prisoner to fucking whatever the physics decide to do, and whatever the enemy decides to do. Now they're going to get aggressive. And then you're going to bounce between two enemies real fast. And then suddenly you went from a really great run to dead. That can happen. I've had plenty of runs that ended within seconds because I hit the ball in there. I used my ability, but I was still in the space. And then I just fucking ended up bouncing between two enemies and I, I died right away. That's not fun. And that happens way too much in the game. And so I as much as i really really want to love the game as much as i really really want to recommend it uh i i just can't because that that at least to me is super fucking annoying and i'm playing this on the switch i believe it is only on switch and pc probably but it also made me realize that i don't really like playing the switch handheld i do not think it's comfortable anymore i, I remember liking it initially but the wii u gamepad's better i'm sure this steam deck is better and a big part of the problem is that as nice as the sizes the joy cons the the lack of palm rest or whatever so that you're just kind of holding it out there and you don't have something that is pressing into your palm that can rest there just doesn't feel that great that was that was a bit disappointing. Not that I play my Switch in hand, handheld mode that often, but I, I came to that realization while playing the game as well. But uh, not bad for the same reasons, but bad for a different reason. It's Arcanoid Eternal Battle. This this is super frustrating because I like a lot about this game, but there is an element to it to the main mode that is so fucking annoying. I can't, believe, I, I can't believe it was done this way. But before I get to the main mode, one, it has the original version in it, which is great. However, this game has no fucking options in any way, shape, or form in terms of visuals or any type of filtering or anything. So the way you play the original game is in a sort of arcade cabinet, curved screen, and CRT filter looking like shit. And it... It looks okay, but I would like to have some control over how I experience that. Maybe I just want to have the the game screen blown up to full screen, you know, and not stretched or anything, but just have it fill the whole screen and not deal with any of these filters, black bars on the side, etc. Can't do that. Not the biggest problem, but you know, a little a little annoying. But it's nice that the classic Arkanoid is there and then you have a versus mode with the 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 new stuff a campaign type thing called neo but the main mode is the battle royale mode where you and 24 other opponents fight against each other to be the last one standing very tetris 99 etc like this one i'm surprised to still see games like this i feel like that that whole thing has come and gone. But... Here we are. Here we are. That said... I think it works really well. I... Was... Made aware of the fact that... As I complained about Shattered Remastered... And thinking maybe I just don't like... Arkanoid and Breakout like games anymore. It's not that. It's just that... Modern games especially modern games and modern takes on arcade games too often they forget that one of the key aspects of these games was the quarter munching side of things which is to say the challenge and too many make them far too easy and forgiving to the point of not remaining engaging over time because It feels like you just keep going on and on forever, which was my issue with Shadow Remastered. I felt like they kept giving me fucking extra lives at such a crazy pace whenever I I lost it and got low that I I could play that game forever if I wanted to. That I eventually just like, nope, just ball, keep coming, keep coming through. Come on, let's just let y'all die. I'm done with I'm done playing this. I'm I had enough of it. But in both the classic mode, because it is just the classic version, and in the new thing. The speed ramps up really uh, really quickly and that challenge is there which keeps the game exciting and fun and fresh which I love what I hate is how it is visually handled in other games like this you have a bunch of little screens on the side that are indicating all the other players who are fighting against you in this one you have on your right side the player who's directly above you in in terms of placement and on the left side you have the one directly below you and while placement is changing while you're fluctuating and everyone else is fluctuating your your, your game screen is transparent so you can see behind it and the various other players their screens will be swiping left and right all the fucking time as, as they're changing and it's incredibly distracting and so fucking busy there are so many ways they can make it not horrible because it's such a horrible thing to look at they they can make it so that your your game screen isn't transparent so when they are sliding behind your your game uh, space you're not seeing that you know you see it on the sides on your peripheral vision but not directly in the space you are engaging with or have it so that they're just a bunch of little screens Uh, it's like or just make it so that you only see the, the opponent who is directly in front of you or behind you. Because those are the only ones you can affect anyway. You can choose when you get these various power-ups. I think with the, the bumpers, uh, decide if you attack the one below you or the one above you. I, I don't need to see the shit swiping all the fucking time. And it just makes the entire experience really painful to look at it becomes incredibly less painful over time as the number of opponents drops and as people are distancing distancing themselves more in terms of their score so that it's not changing so frequently but it, it's never pleasant and especially early on at the start of any match it's annoying and even with crossplay enabled i believe crossplay was enabled there are no there's there's no one playing this game i've played it at multiple times multiple you know uh, points during the day never came across another person playing this game that's not a great sign you you end up playing the ai if that's the case and even if you get a few human opponents the rest will be filled with ai opponents so it's, that's not bad the problem there though is that Even if you wanted to just play against the AI, you still have to wait the minute, I believe, 60 seconds, to see if people show up. You can't play it offline. It's not an offline mode. So whenever you you play that mode, you have to wait for humans to show up. And if it's going to be like this where they never show up, you're just going to have to wait a minute every time you want to play this mode. Give me an option to just fucking play against the AI if I want. That can not count towards my experience or anything like that. I don't care. Just do that. Also, fix the mode so that it's not a visual mess and so unpleasant to look at that I don't actually like playing it because I could really, really like this game and I could highly recommend it if it wasn't such a visual fucking disaster. Just it's so bad. It's so disappointing because of that. Then, two more to go, and we'll wrap it up. Godlike Burger. Godlike Burger is an overcooked-like where you you run this space burger shop. But it's single-player only. It's not co-op, and it's a roguelike. So if you die, and you'll be asking yourself, how the hell can you die in a game like this? I'll get to that. Then you have to start over from day one and do all your shit all over again. The problem with this game is that (laughs) more so that with Overcooked and very similar games, uh, you know, moving out, etc. I wish and some are good at it, some are not so good at them, some are impossible, borderline impossible. I want those games to have single player friendly options. With this, I wish this game had a co-op option because the, the way it's set up is that you are dealing with customers as you do. They'll come in, place their orders, you make them for them, you put them into this little machine, that'll ha- like a little basket that'll be there so that they can pick it up knowing their order is done. And that's all fine and well. The machines will constantly break and you have to tap the A button on them to kick them and fix them. But the other side of things is killing your customers uh, because you have to in order to gain meat for your burgers you do this by either waiting until they go to an isolated place by themselves and attack them with your cleaver or setting traps for them setting traps is beneficial because it doesn't bloody you up because when you do kill an enemy if you do it with your cleaver you're gonna get all bloodied and if someone spots you i mean if they if they spot you doing the murder They're gonna either run away or call the authorities, or if they just see that you're bloody, they're gonna also be pretty sus of you. You know, and be like, "Oh, this—they're not—they're not not a butcher. They're just a hamburger maker. They just—they just make hamburgers." Uh, So you'll have to wash up after you do that. This this system is is fun. I, I like it conceptually, but managing all of it by yourself is very overwhelming on top of that you have uh, uh like a codec system codec system is not the right word and then you don't want to call it a beastie area or whatever but you have your little codec or whatever with the various uh aliens or whatever that you run into and you can in there input the types of foods they like, dislike, etc. But the way you get this information is by paying attention when you are feeding them and experimenting with different recipes, etc. However, trying to pay attention to to that aspect while also completing orders for all these other creatures and then going about killing creatures, it's just, it's just too much. It's too much. It's too much to deal with. And I wish there was co-op so that you could have it be that one person is focusing on making the orders and another person is focused on killing the customers after you've fed them and they're, they're all happy. When they're happy, then you, you kill them. But that, that's impossible because there's, there's no co-op in the game. Frustrating. What's also frustrating is that the ingredients you have outside of the corpses, you have to purchase them prior to starting a level. And the levels are wave-based. Um, so I guess you'd be able to learn over time exactly how many customers are going to show up. I don't... Because I don't believe you get to see a preview of the level prior. So you can't do this. But there was an instance for me, and I'm sure this can happen if you don't come over-prepared, where I just ran out of buns. And when that happened, I could no longer fulfill any order because there was no way to get new buns during the level. And I guess you could say, well, that just means you can focus on killing your customers now and getting meat for the next day. True, but seeing these orders constantly come in as the day continued, having no way to fulfill them, just having to ignore them. I didn't enjoy that. I didn't like not having any uh, ability to you know fulfill my customers desires even though I was going to try and kill them afterwards if I had the time to fucking do it while I'm doing all this other shit so that was a frustrating experience I, 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 I like the game conceptually but in execution I think there, there are ways they could make it a more enjoyable experience overall Last but not least is a DLC for Curious Expedition 2. If you don't remember what Curious Expedition 2 is, it's a game where you go on expeditions, surprise. And it's all very RNG-based. So you will come across natives or creatures or locations. You'll discover this, that, and whatever. And you'll have choices that you can make, Choices that are always or almost always uh, decided with a die roll. Combat is used, uh, is done with the die roll or, or with rolling of the die. Not, not Yahtzee-ish. I mean, I guess kind of Yahtzee is where, you know, you roll the die and you'll have certain faces that'll initiate in, in terms of combat, you know, a defense of attack, uh, healing, etc., and it's really well done in that on the base difficulty at least i think the rng the, the, the like i like rng when it's done well and i think it's done well in curious expedition too because it never feels super cheap the the events that happen and how they play out even though you don't have 100 percent control over all of that no matter the outcome, it always feels like I can at least do something if it goes bad, I don't feel like I'm immediately fucked. I feel like I can still recover often. There will be cases where there's a point of no return, but even when crazy shit is happening, I get teleported to another dimension, I even when all seems lost, there's always this hope, there's always this potential that I can recover. And I've had instances where I lost all my uh, sanity and I was in another dimension and it seemed like there was no chance I'd be able to survive. But I slowly worked my way and would find this this resource and I things would work out for me there or whatnot. And I managed to successfully do all my shit. And I like that about the game. So I, I like I like the base game. This DLC I'm, I'm going to talk about very briefly is the Robots of Lux DLC, which is a DLC that introduces characters from the Steam World universe. So that's cool. Steam World is very cool. I like that art and all that. What this adds uh, is two new leaders, I believe, three recruitable characters. And then a handful of various pieces of equipment, a new creature, animal creature, and the old theater, which allows you to cryogenically freeze your uh, crewmates and save them for later. My problem with it is that as nice as the SteamWorld flavor that's been added to the mix is, it is 100% additive and doesn't change the base game what I mean by that and I understand why this is the case it's a, it's a lot easier to do it this way I'm sure but what I mean by this is when you're going on your expeditions and you use these characters who are robots you'll still be getting text that is talking about your humanity or how the cold is affecting you or stuff like that and that constantly took me out of the experience because I'm a fucking robot I, I, I don't feel cold I'm a fucking robot so the lack of changes there to the dialogue and a lot of the flavor text it's a bit unfortunate it's something that depending on you may not be a problem but for me it really hurt the overall experience But uh, if you just want to play through Curious Expedition 2 with SteamWorld characters and some Fitting, neat equipment that is in some cases seeming OP like a defensive fucking shock thing was like crazy man but uh, if, you, if you don't mind that that one thing I think you know it is worth it I think it's like $6 or something but uh yeah that is going to do it for this episode of the Pixelated Sausage Show no Patreon questions this week because I adjusted the deadline and It's going to be even shorter next time, but it's fine. Don't wait till the last minute. You'll have more than enough time. You'll still have the weekend to ask your question. And you'll have the, the, you know... That's just the the period in which you can ask your question. And I'm doing this because... I want to, if I feel like I have a bit more time to record an episode early. So that the rest of my week is free, etc. And that is is a reason. There are no Patreon questions because of that. So, uh, yeah, that'll do it for this episode of the pixelated sausage show like i said fucking a a minute or so ago i am of course your host markers Naz. y'all can find me pretty much everywhere at px sausage if you'd like to find all my links of import you can do so over at pixelated sausage.com slash pxs and if you enjoy this show or any of the stuff i do and what have you you can go over to patreon.com slash pxs to support me and my nonsense that way that'll get you uh, access to the exclusive little discord channel whoop de freaking do and the ability to ask questions on shows like this if you supported the three dollar tier or higher and uh maybe a few other things here and there you never know so uh if that sounds appealing or if you just enjoy what i do and you'd like to support me again patreon.com p access but that is it that is all as always Thank you for watching or listening. I hope you enjoyed this here episode and I hope you have both a wonderful rest of your day, a wonderful rest of your week, and an absolutely lovely weekend. So for now, adios, arrivederci, bye!